that. <laughs> God is good. It's so great to serve God. It's so great to be in church. I'm so grateful for a church like this. I'm so grateful for pastors like we have. I'm, hallelujah. Lord, we worship you this morning. We thank you for uh, the word of God. We thank you that it's a... Uh, it's alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. You're helping your people. You're building them up. You're giving them an inheritance that they might lift up your name in the earth. In Jesus' name, we ask you for utterance today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. amen. The title of my message today, get this over to the duplication department, is As for me and my house. As for me and my house. Um, I'm going to say that the messages that Reverend Tony preached last Sunday, if you've ever been to college before, they give you, the professors give you a list of required reading, and then they give you a list of optional reading. And if you, if you bummed out on a test or missed the test date or bummed out on a pop quiz, thank God for the extra optional reading. And if you did the optional reading, then the professors kind of take that into account so you could slip that, that B plus back to an A again. Hallelujah. For those of us that were compulsive about being A students. But anyway, for the, for the rest of us, we just wanted to pass the class. Hallelujah. How many want to pass the test here? Hallelujah. I mean, life is going to bring you a test one way, you, whether you like it or not, tests come. And I'm going to say that when it comes to church life and it, when it comes to your life and your place in the end times, I would have to say that yesterday, uh, last week's teachings by Reverend Tony Cook are required listening. I really, really believe that with all my heart. You can get an understanding of why is it important to be in church, a part of a church? Why is it important to serve God? Why is it important to make a decisive dedication that you are going to choose to serve God. Why is that important? Some people, they haven't really made that quality decision. But thank God, Heart of the Bay is always seeking to mature believers. <laughs> so, as for me and my house, there's a little saying that uh, means different things. It really is, I think, a bit elastic in its meaning. It's called carpe diem. It means seize the day. And it would help to know what you believe uh, when you think of the phrase carpe diem. It literally means to seize the day. And I suppose it really depends on what it means, you know, to you. But uh, let me just, so that we're all on the same page, I feel that as Christians we're supposed to live in the day not worrying about what might happen tomorrow, wishing that we would change the past. We're to rely on God for our daily needs. And so living for today, everybody say today. It seems to fit the, it right in with the idea of seize the day. Matthew 6.33, Jesus encourages, don't worry about tomorrow. There's enough evil for tomorrow. He says, the sufficient unto the day today is the evil thereof. So he said, seek ye first, somebody say first, the kingdom of God. So yeah, that carpe diem could really apply. The meaning of carpe diem, carpe diem was used by a Roman poet named Horace. It's, it, it, it wasn't to ignore the future, but rather not to trust in everything that is going to fall in, that everything is going to fall into place for you if you take the proper action today. Everybody say today. today. I like what uh, Pope John Paul II said. Here's a little quote by him. The future starts today, not tomorrow. Everybody say that. The future, the future. starts today, starts today. Not, tomorrow. not tomorrow. So in keeping with that, 
this is my estimation of carpe diem. It's to seize the opportunity. I've always considered opportunity as being something good, which should be done right away. And you should make steps to do the right thing and seize the opportunity to do the right thing whenever it presents itself. And so I, I have this little quote here. Perhaps we should carpe diem in God more often uh, or we, w- we might miss out on life of, and, and, and what truly makes you happy. So friends, as you seize upon God-given opportunities, that is one way for you to seize your future and to truly be happy in life. Amen, somebody. Jesus said in John 10.10, I came that they may have life and have life to the fullest. I like what it says in the Amplified, that you might have and enjoy life, have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Amen. Uh, And a lot of people, they're running, trying to find satisfaction. They're, okay, I've got to quote Pastor Mark a little bit. or I'm not quoting him, but trying to get a little song in here. We've got to talk about food and a song or something to keep you, you know, engaged here. So there was a song, I can't get no satisfaction. I I don't know much more of the words. I don't know if it's a really bad song. Forgive me. I don't really know. But the fact of the matter, if you want to live a satisfied life, if you want to live a fulfilled life, serve God. Serve God. You want to live a life that means something. And friends, I just, I just want to tell you, time flies. I remember lying in bed staring at the ceiling one day. I said, did you know that in the year 22,000, we're going to be 40 years old. That is, everybody say old. That's so old. But you know, the year 2000 came and went here we're in 2014. And, and you know, I, I'm not sure if my math was correct, but I'm telling you what, it's kind of interesting. 40, year, 40 just slipped right on by and 50 slipped right on by. And, and if, you're, if you're 10 years old and you think you've got a long time, you're going to blink and you're in college the next day. And you're going to blink and you're a grandpa. Friends, somebody say time flies. Time flies. I'm telling you, it happens. If, uh, let, me, let me allude to some of our, our elder friends. Is it true? Or is it true that you, it, it just goes by so fast? It's like, wow. It's like, are you serious? What? I'm 50? There's no way. I'm sure Pastor Brennan was thinking that. What? I'm 60? No way. Well, she looks kind of young. I mean, she, uh, the pastors, pastors uh, are um, just, one of the things that preserves you, to tell you the truth about it, is living a happy life. And to live a happy life, you've got to be in the will of God. Amen. Let me move on. I digress here. I'm going to allude to, to something Reverend Tony Cook said in his messages last weekend regarding multidimensional ministry because that's a springboard for us today. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38, if, if you were here just by way of reminder, it was, it was, he, he cited how in verse 35 Jesus went about all the cities teaching, preaching, and healing every sickness. Is that right? But interesting how he pointed out that after Jesus had ministered to the mass of people with the preaching and the teaching and the healing. Boy, we need a little more interaction. Let me move this a little closer. The preaching, the teaching and the healing. How that after that he took an assessment of the demographic there and he realized 
something interesting. He, had, he was moved with compassion. I'm going to go to the Amplified Bible, and I'm going to go ahead and say this to save time. Verse 36, saw the throngs, moved with pity and sympathy for them because they were bewildered, harassed, distressed, dejected, and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. No, this is after, yeah. after Jesus had preached, taught, and healed them. So I thought like, wow, what, what a revelation. You've got to hear that message. I can't do it justice in a few minutes of review. But it was, it was fascinating to me how that his, uh, Reverend Tony brought out how Jesus recognized that they needed a shepherd. And how wonderfully he elaborated that they needed a shepherd's touch or a pastoral touch and how being at home watching TV, I, I'm, I, think, I think Joel Osteen is wonderful. I think Joyce Meyer is wonderful. I think uh, 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 many of these ministers, Creflo is wonderful. I think all these people are, are wonderful. I think it's wonderful watching Brother Keith Moore on TV, but that's not your pastoral touch. Amen. Somewhere in there, you got somebody say, get personal. You got to be close enough to your shepherd and your flock, be together with your flock to, to get the benefits so that you yourself won't be, what is it, bewildered, harassed, distressed, and dejected. Boy, what a word he, he brought. Amen. And then he went in verse 37 and he, and he shared about how he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, so pray the Lord of harvest will, will thrust out laborers to his harvest. Amen. So that's where we left off last week. And of course, he taught on the Trinity on Sunday night. But the, the, the thought of how uh, people are in a position where I, I've never, ever seen such a condition where people were more harassed, distressed, dejected or helpless. I, everywhere you look, you see that. If you, if you haven't, maybe you're just looking at your own stuff. But look, not just on your own stuff, but look at other people's lives. Can, can, can we just be fair and save a whole lot of time this morning by saying it's a mess? It's a mess. People are hurting. Is that right? There are people in the hospital that need to be visited. Is that right? There are people. There's a young. There's a young mom that has a has a newborn that 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 is 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 overwhelmed and needs support. There there is a grandma that that is overwhelmed. That her house needs painting. There's there's a grandpa whose house needs uh, uh, a, a new uh, a, a new faucet put in. They don't know how to do it. Hello, somebody. There are cars that are breaking down. There there's folks that need uh, a little bit of help with the groceries. See, we we have a multi generational church. It, it's not just everybody's 30 years old around here. I don't know if you noticed that, but you look. You, sometimes you look at some of the some of the uh, pews here or some of the chairs, and you're going to see great grandma and grandpa. You see grandma, and by the way, my my mother-in-law is going to be here today. Hallelujah, Karma, Karma's going to be with us. So so you see, she she represents great grandmother, and then grandmother, and then daughter, and and then you know great grandma, things like this. But the, the thought that I'm trying to get across to you is there are so many needs. Everybody say needs. 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 Not only in the world, but also in the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, here's a thought as we as we move into our message today. Uh, just a scripture or two, and then we're going to step right into it. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 in the King James Version says this, friends. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should, should walk in them. In the Amplified Bible. 
For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those things, those good works, which God predestined, planned beforehand. Remember, He taught us on the Trinity, the Father is the planner. Amen? For us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the bad life. No, no, somebody got it right. What, what kind of life is it? The good, thank you. The good, living the good life which He pre-arranged and made ready for us to live. If you've ever taken a road trip and you made reservations along the way in hotels, when you are on the road and you're hundreds if not thousands of miles away from home and you want to get a good night's sleep... Does it matter what hotel you went to? I'm going to say yes. It better be the one you made reservations for. <laughs> I said it better be the ones that you prearranged and made reservation for. Because otherwise, you'll get to another place and sorry, we have no vacancy. Sorry, we have no vacancy. Like, well, if, if you forgot, I, I just forgot. I forgot where I made a reservation. I knew, I knew it was one of these hotels somewhere in the city. Let's see. Let's look up the yellow pages. Maybe something will ring a bell. And you're flipping through the yellow pages. God help those husbands that didn't plan too well and didn't write down which hotel they were supposed to go <laughs> on their celebration. But can you see the confusion and the loss of time and the frustration in that? Friends, we're not talking about hotel and travel plan. We're talking about a life plan that God has for you. He has planned for you to be in certain places with certain people doing certain things specifically. There is a grace for that. There are reservations. There are supplies in those areas for us. Amen. Somebody said amen. Amen. So God has a purpose for your life and my life. And I know I know that a lot of times you hear that in church, that God has a purpose for your life. But you know, you have a vital role to play in the kingdom of God. And here's one for us. Your life is not to be lived from one ad hoc event or emergency to another, from one event to the other. You don't just throw yourself from one job and throw yourself to another job or throw yourself from one church and then throw yourself to another church. That's not how life was intended to be lived. What does ad hoc mean? Made or done without planning because of an immediate need. In other words, putting out fires, always putting out fires. That's not how God planned your life to be. He has things prepared for you and He is not improved Supervising as you go along. He is not surprised at where you are today. These are not makeshift strategies as you go along life journey. You're, he's not helping you as you react. At, let me rephrase that. It's not God's best for you to always be reacting to the latest emergency. Everybody got what I'm saying? Rather, God has a plan for you to go from one degree of glory to another. There are people that God is trying to put you in league with, friends. There are churches, ministries. There are colleagues that God's trying to tie you together with in order for you to grow up in God and for you to encourage others and bring full supply and somebody say, be satisfied and fulfill the will of God in your life. God is not a God of accidents. Let's look at 1 John 3, 8 in the King James Version. For this purpose, 
the Son of God was manifest. Why? Why? What was the purpose that the Son of God was manifest? And in the B part it says, the Son of, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest that He might do what? Destroy the works of the devil. That was His purpose, that He would destroy. And of course, the works of the devil are the things that bind people, destroy people, and hurt people. But Jesus came so that we might have say it life. So let's go to our text this morning, and that's Ephesians chapter 5, 14 through 17. We'll be spending a little bit amount of time here. In verse 14, the writer says, Therefore, he says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine and make day dawn upon you and give you light. And uh, don't let the word sleeper get you off, uh, throw you off, or the word dead. Sleep in this case means an individual that has yielded to sloth and or sin, and then someone that's indifferent to one's salvation. Indifferent, like kind of uh, take it or leave it Christianity. So he, he says, uh, arise from the dead, right? Arise from the, from the dead. Here's another one. Let's look at what he means by dead. And that's Strong's 3498, which means necros, which means spiritually dead. I like to say this, inactive as respects to doing right. I like the second part of that. Uh, inoperative. I used to work for the Department of Motor Vehicles. And if you had a vehicle that you were not driving and you did not want to put on the road, you had to pay for a minimal fee back in the day of something that was called a certificate of non-operation. How many of you are uh, familiar with that? That means you still have to register the car. doesn't cost you as much because you're not driving it. But even if you have it in your backyard, you have a certificate of non-operation. There are too many Christians today with a certificate of non-operation in their dossier. You cannot live this way and be satisfied, friends. Today I'm talking to you about, as for me in my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Amen. So it says in verse 15, it says, look carefully how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately, not as unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people. Listen to this. I, these last, the, the, this verse 16, we're going to park on a little bit. Making the most of the time buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Because the days are evil. I'm going to bring a little example here from, uh, from the, the area of firefighting. And I'm going to call this a three-alarm fire. Let me read this to you, friends. Whenever there's a, whenever there's a fire, oftentimes... Let, let's just read it to you. One alarm, two alarm, and three-alarm fires are higher or higher are categorized uh, of fires indicating the level of response by local authorities with an elevated number of alarms indicating increased commitment of resources. The term multiple alarm is a quick way of indicating that a fire was severe and difficult to contain. This system of classification is common in the USA among both fire departments and new agencies. Listen carefully. The most widely used formula for multi-alarm designation is based on the number of units, fire trucks for example, and firefighters responding to a fire. How many know we got a Holy Ghost fire happening in the earth today? Hallelujah. On the good side. And the more vehicles and firefighters responding, the higher the alarm designation. Did you all catch that? I mean, I know it sounds a little bit heady, but 
Reverend Tony spoke about multiple levels of ministry as, as outlined previously in Matthew 9, 35 through 38. But today, I'm going to present to you, or I propose to you, that we have a three-alarm harvest and that we need a response from every quarter in the body of Christ. That means we require more units on the ground responding in order to effectively handle the three-alarm harvest in our midst and in our day. The forecast for the body of Christ is a call to pray, to give, and to serve sacrificially in a season, everybody say, of extreme extreme harvest conditions. We are in extreme harvest conditions right now. Hallelujah. You know, we are, you know, California is battling a drought. We're believing God for rain. So a lot of times you'll hear newscasters say we are in extreme drought conditions. Is that right? That mandates a response from the populace in California to save water. Well, we've got a harvest, a three alarm harvest. There are extreme harvest conditions. People are crashing and burning right and left. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord to see to it that we do something about those families, something about that child, something about that mom, something about that dad, something about that elder that's crashing and burning right now. Is anybody with us at Heart of the Bay? I want to uh, go ahead and, and skip down to verse number 15, Ephesians 5:15 in the uh, make it 16 in the amplified version. Making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. I like it when it says in the God's Word translation, make the most, now listen carefully, make the most of your opportunities because these are evil days. Ephesians 5.16 in the Living Bible, I realize up there is a little bit different, but I'll read it from what I have. So be careful how you act. These are difficult days. Amen. Don't be fools. Be wise. Make the most of every opportunity you have. For doing good. Let's see verse, uh, yeah, every opportunity for doing good. Now, let me cover just two phrases in there. The first one is evil. The days are evil. What does he mean by the days are even? Boy, God is so good. He brought this out to us. The, the word evil there is Strong's G4190, which means paneros, which means, catch this, it isn't what you thought or what I thought, in addition to what I might have thought it was. It's for the days are evil, for the, it means full of labors, annoyances, and hardships. Labors, listen, pressed and harassed by labors. I've never seen a day where young couples had to work two, three jobs, some people four jobs, just to somebody say, try to make ends meet. But God didn't call you to just try to make ends meet. He said, I'll tell you what's going to meet the ends. I'm going to meet the ends. I'm the need meter. What you do is you seek first the kingdom of God. But listen, hardship and harassed by labors, thinking about it, bringing toils, annoyances, perils, full of, full, uh, a time full of peril to Christian faith and steadfastness, causing pain and trouble. And of course, the second part of that evil is a sense of evil, bad or wicked. Um, what I wanted to bring across here is, is people are busier than ever. It's hard to get people on the phone. Uh, or is it just me? I mean, we are running. We are literally running in this thing, this treadmill, to try to keep up. And we're stuck in traffic. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be stuck in traffic. 
I don't know what kind of person you are. If you're one of those that says, I'm going to take the alternate route and at least you're moving. But you say, okay, that's the, that's the truck. Watch that truck, honey. That's that white truck. If I'm going to take this alternate route and if that truck gets to the intersection before, then, then we know that we beat it. But if it went, we know I just wasted time. This happened last week. I just, I says, I don't like to sit still. So I went and I took the alternate routes and turning right, turning left, going through all the little streets. And then when I finally landed up, there's that truck. <laughs> says, I should have just stayed in play. How do you know it's hard? Traffic is hard. <laughs> time seems to be shorter than ever. It's like you can hardly catch time to... But I want to tell you something. I believe that when you are in the will of God, He is going to help you to redeem the time. Not only is God multiplying the seed sown, some people think of that as God is multiplying my seed as in financially. But you know what? He's multiplying all the seeds you sow. If you're sowing time in prayer, He's going to multiply time back to you. Oh, I love it when you get your car service and it gets done right the first time. Then you don't have to write the Better Business Bureau and go back and, and beef on the telephone and say, no, this is the way it was supposed to be and talk to the general manager and they say no. Then you call prepaid legal. And How many of you have ever dealt with messes like that? Something that should have taken 20 minutes took you three months to take care of. God wants to redeem your time. Somebody say time is precious. Your time is precious. The enemy is out to wear you out. Where you are, Daniel 7, 25. I, I, I just know better way of saying it. And he shall speak great things. Daniel 7, 25, King James Version. He shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and times. And I realize that this is specific to the history uh, of, of the Jews in that, but also it's specific to us today. I think the devil is still trying to wear people out. I said he's trying to wear young people out. He's trying to wear pe old people out. He's trying to wear people out in the middle. We're all trying to be challenged without being worn out. But God wants you refreshed. Somebody say refreshed. refreshed. Amen. So we talked about the days being evil, really full of labor. But how are we supposed to live if you live according to the word? Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Somebody say light and easy. When you seek first the kingdom of God, He'll cause that everything will fall into place for you. I said everything will fall into place. I, that's what I've discovered in my life. But let's go into the second part where it is buying up the most of every opportunity. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 16 in the Amplified Bible says this. It says, making the most of the time buying up each opportunity say opportunity if, if, if nothing else write this in your notes opportunity because these days are evil and we know that evil means that these are busy days these are full of labor it's, it's kind of harassing just how, how much work 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 there is in these days and then in the God's word translation it says make the most of your opportunities because these days are evil somebody say make the most make the most make the most of each opportunity. I like what it says in the Living Bible. Be careful how you act. These are difficult days. Don't be fools. Make the most of every opportunity. 
that you have for doing good. And now we allude back to our, to our saying, Carpe Diem, seize the day. Amen. Friends, I believe that when Jesus says the harvest is plenteous, look, the harvest, not only, not only the harvest to win souls, but also after you get the souls won, somebody has to tend to the souls that were just won. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have tremendous respect for moms. You know, they'll have their baby, and thank God it's a big, it's a big celebration. Yay, but how I many you know the, you just thought the work was over? No, the work is just beginning. Sleepless nights. What's going to make Junior happy? Lord, help us to make Junior happy. Crying Junior. Hungry Junior. Stinky Junior. No, no, don't touch that Junior. Junior running all over the place. I'm telling you, the work is just beginning. It isn't just, just all getting people saved. Jesus made a specific, uh, uh, a specific direction about make disciples. That's where you have to have the whole church raising up these spiritual babies. But I want to I I give you a little example about making the most of opportunities, okay? God wants you not to think so much about what's happening in the future, but what's, who are the people you're with right now? Where are you working right now? What is your living situation right now in your station in life? I don't know about you, but oftentimes we say, oh, when I get married, then. Or when I have kids, then. Or when I get a degree, then. I found out that then really doesn't ever happen. What really happens is life happens. And what's happening that you could be assured of is right now. That's what's happening. Everybody say right now is happening. Right now is what's happening. Well, I, I, uh. I encourage you to think about what I'm about to share with you. I used to work, among other things, I used to work in a company called Schoenstein Pipe Organs in San Francisco. I used to build and tune, or I should say help build. I was not a master builder, you understand, but I know how to be trained and I know how to work power tools. Thank God I still have all my fingers. But we used to build and maintain pipe organs, such pipe organs as the Palace of Fine Arts, the, the place over the Mormon place, and uh, various pipe organs throughout the cities. But anyway, uh, Jack Bethards, the owner of the company, the investor, he told us, the work people, it was a small company, he said, you are free to use any of the tools in this house, in this, in this shop. Just, just whatever you want to use, I just give you free Free license to use anything here. You bring your materials and you could build whatever you want to on off hours, understandably. And you know what? I worked for that company for, for a little while. And it's amazing to me that it wasn't until I was getting ready to leave that company that I said, Oh my goodness, I haven't built anything. So I have a bookshelf in my house <laughs> that I built. And the last moments, the last days of my term of employment at Schoenstein Pipe Organs. And I, we needed a bookshelf that was large and hold a lot of books. And so I designed it and I built it and I, I brought my wood and I cut it. But I only built, I got one bookshelf out of this. And I know that there's other people, probably uh, the other, some of the other woodworkers there and that, they probably got a house full of furniture out of it. But I only got one bookshelf because I didn't take advantage of the... Come on, say it with me. I didn't take advantage of the opportunity. So what's the difference between me and Wayne Brazel? Wayne Brazel was the master, was the master builder. What's the difference between me and Wayne? Wayne... 
put it on his schedule and he said, on this day I'm going in, I'm going in on Saturday and I'm going to build a table. On this day I'm going to go in and I'm going to build a, a, a bedroom set. That's the difference between me and Wayne. I lived reactively. I was reacting to the fact, oh my gosh, I just have 48 hours and I will no longer be employed and I'm going to lose the opportunity to build something. So let me get in here. Let me moonlight. Let me improvise. Let me live impromptu. Let me make the best of what I can because I didn't plan and I didn't take advantage of the opportunity. Friends, it's time for us not to live that way anymore. It's time for us to, on purpose, recognize what the plan of God is for you. And when God presents and say it, opportunity to you, we've got to take advantage of the opportunity and use the tools, use the skill set, take advantage of the wonderful relationships of the people around us. It's time to step into action and take advantage of the opportunities. Somebody say amen. amen. I hope you enjoyed that little story about the pipe organs. If you come to my house, that bookshelf is still in use today. Although there are rumblings that that bookshelf might be removed. And I have this pain in my soul. If anybody wants a really well-built bookshelf, see me after service. I just don't want it to become firewood. It was really a nice little bookshelf. I'm, you think I'm kidding? I'm serious. If you want a big bookshelf that mm, just really nice, okay, see me after service. And it's first come, first serve. All right, my wife will love me for that. We're getting to the crux or the closing of our message. Amen? Listen to this. Sometimes, not always, but many times, the last things that a person says before they move on, whether it is to another station in life or whether they pass on and go to heaven, the last thing they say is critically important. You follow what I'm saying? Oftentimes, that is a key to what's happening the rest for the rest of... It, it sometimes encapsulates what their life was all about. Now, I know that you are familiar with the saying, as for me and my house, I will serve. I will do what? Serve. I will serve the Lord. But perhaps you didn't realize that that was Joshua's farewell speech. That's the last thing he addressed the congregation of Israel before he crossed over and passed. Let's read that. In Joshua chapter 24 and verse 14 through 16, with an understanding that this is Joshua's farewell speech. And verse 15, it says this, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me, say it, and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the people answered and said, verse 16, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Verse 23, now, therefore, he said, 
Put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, what did they say? The Lord our God we will serve and His voice we will obey. Very interesting. Look at verse 29. Now it came to pass after these things that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, what happened? He died. Being 110 years old, they buried him within the borders of inheritance at Timnath Sarah, which is in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of the Mount Gas. Somebody say that really happened. That really happened. But notice in verse 31, notice where it says, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua. Now catch this. And all the days of the elders who out lived Joshua, who had known the works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. And in verse, uh, verse 31, it shows you that as at his farewell speech, he moved on, but all the people that had responsibility in the camp, these were the elders. Somebody say, there's nothing wrong with elders. I'm telling you, thank God for elders. The, the elders, the remaining elders, they kept holding the fort. And it says that they continued to serve the Lord in their generation. I think what a legacy he left behind. But I want to just point out to you something. In verse 23, the challenge to Joshua came. Put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart. Amen. Incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. Now, that may be a little blind to us because I don't really think that you have little islands of Molech, little statues of Molech and Baal. You probably don't even know what that is. I mean, I don't. I, I don't care to know what it is. But you know, there are things in our lives if you are going to serve the Lord. Just Can I just make, say, make it plain, Pastor Tom, make, make, it plain. It plain, make it plain. There are some things you're going to have to leave behind. I, you, there, if you want to go up, you have to let go of some things. And you know, some things, they may be sin. Hey, wake up and smell the righteousness. Hallelujah. Let God shine on your heart and learn that there's no better way to live than to walk in God's wonderful, pure Righteous life, the gift of God. Amen. But besides that, there are a lot of good things that people, good people, we fill our lives with. And, you know, you can't say you can't do everything. You can't do everything. So you have to choose. Choose. Are you going? To, how? I mean, I am not against, you know, Little League. Both my boys played ball. Sterling played on the New York Mets, the San Leandro New York Mets, and they won. And Kimberly was the team mom. <laughs> okay, that went over like a lead balloon. Okay, but anyway, I was in the stands, brought a little piano, and then they, they finally felt sorry for me, and they put me in the, in the box with a microphone, and I put the microphone on my little keyboard, and I, was, I, 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 I yelled with the best of them when I'm asking the kids to run around the bases. So you're looking at a person that understands what it means to make family time. But somewhere in there, we also had to make a decision that we had to serve God. God came second. No, God went where? First. God came first. 
And now I'm getting to where I, it's only 10, 12. We're closing in just a minute or so. You've got to plan to serve God or you never will. If you are... If you are 10 years old and mama and papa have not taught you to serve God, then I'm, I'm too young. You're, he's too young. He's too busy. He's too this. When you're 14, when you're 17, well, they're in high school. They're too busy to serve God. When you, okay, wait till afterwards. They'll serve God then. Then we go to college. By the way, uh, well, never mind. Uh, then we go to college and then we say, well, you know, I've got finals and I've got papers due and, 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 and I'm too busy. I can't serve God now. Then you go from, from college. Well, I just got a new job. I got me a new job. I can't serve God now. I can't come to church. You want me to come to church once a week? There's no way. Twice a week? Are you kidding? You think I can walk on water? Uh, what? You want me to shake hands at the back door? You want me to watch the parking lot? I can't do that. Listen, there's, all, so there's always going to be something. You've got to go out of your way to break out of the mold to be able to step into serving God. Now, listen carefully. Serving God does not mean 24-7 everything because people have to go to work, but you're going to go, you're going to pray, seek God and be a blessing wherever you are. Is that right? But there, are, there is a time, even if it's a small sliver of time, where you work it out you plan for it when you say, God, this is sacrificial. I had to work six days. I have some people in this church that I know do this. I work six days this week. I work 16-hour shifts. And you know, Lord, I am bone tired right now. But I'm going to get before your presence and I'm going to come to your house because there is a supply in your house that I cannot live without. Plus, I need to bless other people. And they somehow find a way to get to church. And I don't, I don't explain. I don't know how this happens, but they're quickened in their bodies. And and somehow the life of God is flowing in their life and God brings increase to them. Increase of strength. Increase of understanding and wisdom. Increase of peace. Somebody say amen. amen. That's absolutely the truth. But you've got to go out of your way to serve God. Serving God is not automatic. But here, here's just a couple of words before I close. And I'm about to close. Somebody said Amen. <laughs> As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Heaven's cause has never been clearer. The hour has never been more critical. We're in the last of the last days. Human hearts have never hurt quite as badly. Multitudes are standing in the valley of decision. The whole earth is groaning and travailing, yearning for God's people to rise up and repair the breach. Rise up and repair the foundations, raise up the foundation of many generations, restore streets to dwell in. I don't know about you, but I've determined, and I believe I echo an amen from, from our, our pastors and our leaders in our church, Heart of the Bay will not sleep in harvest. Heart of the Bay will not be oblivious in harvest. Heart of the Bay will not be distracted in harvest. Heart of the Bay will not be burned out in harvest. Instead, Heart of the Bay will shout hurrahs at harvest. We're going to be praying continually, reaching and preaching boldly. We're going to reach out to heal people compassionately. We're going to enforce, come on somebody, we're going to enforce Christ's victory and Satan's defeat relentlessly. We're going to serve God and His people passionately and faithfully and we will hear 
prayer, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. You know, there are churches that would stand before the Lord. You read it in Revelation, and he would assess the different churches. Yeah, that church did pretty good. You, did, you could do a little better there. Okay, you, boy, I'll tell you what, just hang on to what you got. Could be better, but if you just hang on, you can barely manage. Oh, over here, you did a really good job. You, you need a revival. You're cold as ice. <laughs> Actually, lukewarm. How many of you know God is looking not only to individuals, but he's looking at teams? Hallelujah. And I want to close with this, friends. We have, somebody say Opportunity. We have an opportunity right in front of us in coming weeks, right here in four, the four next weeks, we, four weeks, we have an opportunity to seek God as to what is my role, what can I do as part of the harvest here at Heart of the Bay Christian Center. And you know what? It won't just bless you. It will bless the people, the church itself, and all the new people coming in. Satisfaction guaranteed. What can I do for you? Because, as for, say it with me, stand to your feet, please. As for me and my house. Say it a little more boldly. As for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Father, we praise you and thank you for your word. Thank you for every friend that's come out today. We pray, Father.